My name is Jan Welch, and you're watching episode 26 of the Then and Now Blading podcast with my old friend, Frank Stoner. I've known Frank since about 1996. We grew up skating together in Austin, Texas, and spent a lot of years blading all over the South. And yeah, great dude. Um, he moved to Denver. We've been friends for a long time. I go visit him. I want to bring him on to show right now and talk to Frank. Frank, welcome to the show. How are you today? I'm good, Jan. Thanks. <laughs> so it's been a while since I've seen you in person. I was seeing you almost every year in Colorado for the Colorado road trip after you moved there. And it was a lot of fun. Now, well, I think the last time I saw you was it was probably uh, 2018 when I was there before COVID. Has it been that long? Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. That was the year that Rob Zabranek was in our car and caught our road trip and made it. <laughs> you remember that? Um, did you ride with me? Oh, shit. I remember oh, no, you all rode in some giant van that McVeigh had, right? No, no. That year was supposed to be just me, McVeigh, Jason Howard, and Jason Howard's girlfriend. And then oh, Rob shit. Z drove up with his friend randomly. The big van year was with everyone from Austin. It was like Mason. Oh, right. Okay. And, you know. Uh, okay. And Dallas guys and like tons of people in that van and Jared Renan. But this was just supposed to be me, Jason, Jared, Jason's girlfriend, Mellow Trip. And it didn't end up being Mellow at all. It was out of control. Rob's a brand like antics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, well, you know, you got to get your heart right, right? That's right. That's right. So, Frank, what's been going on with you? I know you've been living in Denver now for, what, almost what eight years, something? Ten years? It's been a while. So, I'm, I moved here the first time in 2005, I think. Uh-huh. And then I left here in 2010. And then I came back in 2014. So, we rented a house for two years, my wife and I. And then we bought this place six years ago. So, just now, in August... We've been in this house for six years. Okay, so eight years. I was right. If you moved there in 2014. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So when I moved back to Austin in 2012, you were still living there. and I was like, back there from moving overseas. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, you were back there from moving overseas. You, you were living in Wells because you were going yep. to a, a, a master's program there. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. I studied cognitive linguistics. And you weren't skating when you were there. No, I didn't take skates. I had no room for them. Uh, we took. Uh, we got married in August, and we moved like a week after the wedding. And my wife and I each had two suitcases, and I had to pay extra to bring a whole suitcase full of books because I had all these books I didn't want to have to buy a second time for grad school. Um, so, yeah, I there was no way I could bring skates. Plus, there's nowhere... In North Wales, it's really rural, and there's nowhere to skate. So that it would have been cool to go over to Manchester or somewhere, mm -hmm. but I, I never had time for a skate trip. Did you meet any skaters out there, or are you just in your little bubble? Kind of in my bubble. I met a guy at a party one night who said he was a rollerblader, and he could identify trick names, so I believed him that at least he was a rollerblader at some point you know, in the distant past. You know, he knew what a Unity was, and he knew what a Misty Flip was, so it kind of dated him for 
when he knew rollerblading. Um, but he was a guy I had no idea what it was just another guy studying linguistics. Oh, and wow. I would never have guessed. That's um, gotta be very rare rollerblader that does linguistics. There can't be too many of them. Well, I think he had he had only been around like for a year or two. He wasn't okay. he wasn't right. like we were. Right, right. Now linguistics and trip naming. A lot of people refer to you as the go-to guy as far as trick naming goes, and I know you don't like that label, um, even though I, you've I written several articles yeah. about it. I don't like it because it's not really what a linguist does. In the beginning, when I first showed up writing articles for one mag, uh, I would get a lot of comments like, "Oh man, thank God you're here. You can you know solve these debates once and for all." And you know, a, a linguist. My training is meant to be a, a, a descriptive kind of personality where you're trying to talk about the thing. You're not trying to be prescriptive and tell people what they should and shouldn't say. That's more like uh, more like maybe an English major would do that. Okay. Again. That makes sense. Uh, but, you know, in, in, in my view, the goal has always been communication. Uh, and so... You know, one of the debates that I feel like I did a pretty decent job of attempting to settle uh, was the uh, Ali Unity versus Savannah debate. And at the time, this was maybe 10 years ago, I was saying, look, if you're talking to somebody and they're younger than 30, say Savannah. And if you're talking to somebody older than 30, say Ali Unity, and you'll get it right 99% of the time, probably. Uh and really, if you want people to understand, you should speak the language that they want to, to, that they understand, that they, well, that they know. So, you know, if you're talking to somebody who's been around for, you know, a thousand years like you and me, the 90s lingo is fine, but we can all code switch between the new stuff and the old stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, so, it, I don't know. I, I'm amazed at how, how violent some of those debates and discussions have gotten. I think it's uh I think I it's I don't really care. You know, I don't care what you call it. You know, call it yeah. every time. Um you know, even with name like renaming some of the tricks like they're doing now. I mean Oh, like Star Grind and stuff like yeah, that. Star Grinds. I mean, call it what you want. If people want to call Star Grind, that's fine. We call it porn star, it's fine. But like caring uh, about yeah. it called, you know, I don't know. I just don't care what a trick's called. You had Brandon Drummond on here, and I didn't watch that episode, but I've been watching Brandon Drummond for a while now, and he was the first person I think I ever heard say Star Grind, and I was like, does he not know what it's called because he lives in Australia? <laughs> and then and then I started hearing it other places, and I was like, oh, well, okay, maybe that's the thing. We'll see if it changes or not, but... You know, it's not my place to try to push anybody one way or another. I'm just trying I mean, it's to... it's a generational thing, too. You know, I think, uh, like you said, there's over 30 and under 30, or most people probably under 30. Newer people probably call Star Grind because that's what people are calling it now. But, you know, it's uh, definitely, definitely, I don't really like the name myself, but that's just because not what I, you know, grew up calling it. Well, it's... The way I heard it, it was Phil Riley called it a porn star, right? Yeah, Phil Riley called it a porn star. That's correct. The, to me, the the coolest part about that uh, was that it was a named it was named as a backwards trick. Mm -hmm. So there was a while when 
if you take the word alley-oop to mean opposite of, and you say alley-oop porn star, there were people who used alley-oop porn star to mean forward porn star, which is incredible, uh, right. certainly from a linguistic point of view. <laughs> Phil Riley, actually. So I edited this, not edited, but I logged a high eight tape from the very first hoedown at Eisenberg's. And oh, yeah, okay. tape, there was a guy that I sent you a picture of. We were trying to identify him. Oh, yeah. That was Phil Riley. Are you serious? Yeah, that was Phil Riley. And that, really? And he is interviewing business owners on the street about what they think about Eisenberg's opening. And it is hilarious footage. I mean, these are some Whoa. square old guys, like not happy about about uh, skateboarding and rollerblading and all this. Um, I'm going to be putting that up here pretty soon in the next week or so. But it's was amazing. He there, was he there in any kind of formal capacity, or was he just there with a with a high eight? I was filming it. I was. Oh, filming you filmed him. it. Oh, I, yeah. I filmed him talking to these guys. So it was the very first thing thing on the tape, and then everything else is just you know like Dion Anthony and Julio skating at the hoedown. Um, is that the one that made it to scratch? Yeah, that's the that's one. That's the footage from that. Okay, footage okay. from scratch. Yeah, that's right. So scratch is a video I've been remastering. I don't know if you noticed I remastered a bunch of old videos. I put them up on the channel tomorrow. I have seen several. Tomorrow I'm putting up uh, um, Last Call, which was a video I made in 1999 for my trips in Europe. Had that's a, a Europe one. Section. Yeah. yeah, it had Albert Huey's first section, Benny Hermanos. Bunch of dudes. Um, so that is done. It's up on the, on YouTube waiting to premiere tomorrow at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So make sure and watch that tomorrow. But Scratched, I've been working on scaling that. But that was done in high eight. So it's even harder to scale than like the mini DV tapes. Yeah. And I had two masters of Scratched. Like, I'm going to be smart. I'm going to make two masters, you know, two high eight masters. One of them was recorded over with like other skating footage from like oh no 99 and then so i'm like oh shit well i got this other one and the other one like 75 percent of it was recorded over with spring break footage from south padre island <laughs> <laughs> so, like so i only have like low like from the vhs tape foot quality footage so it's like not quite as good as i wanted and then that last like third or quarter of the second master i was able to pull that to blend it in a little bit but yeah it's uh definitely a shame to have recorded over masters i don't know how i would do that uh there was some people in the in the chat um let me see well megan's in the chat hey megan that's my girlfriend thanks for watching we've got justin hi megan, <clears throat> hi, megan. One. Justin Thursday is you know you've met Justin or talked to Justin. I think I've talked to Justin or maybe emailed or messaged back and forth. We've definitely been in the same comment threads before. Mm -hmm. I Justin, don't know that I've met him ever in real life. Justin's definitely you know a tech guy. He does all the three D printing, and that's something I'm gonna want to get into you with a little bit later. Is on the tech side of things, like about the cuff designs and different things like that. Uh, then we've got K Bar's brother in the house. <laughs> and uh, 
And Marvel City made. I was so puzzled by Stargrind when I came back. Took me weeks. So yeah. kind of like you, Frank. Yeah, I, I, it, it didn't take me weeks. I just, I just wondered, is this, is this like, is this politically correct or is this something different? Like, uh, I didn't know, but I think I first heard it from Brandon Drummond. Okay. And so I also had the bias against like, well, this kid looks, this guy looks pretty young. I don't know if this is like, I don't, how many, <clears throat> I don't know how many people there are his age who rollerblade. I just went to the Mile High Battle a week ago, and everybody's about to be 30, mm -hmm. or they're already 40, or they're older than that. Anyway, I don't know. It it was a mix of, you know, I don't know, I don't know this guy, Brandon Drummond. I don't know what he knows. I don't know where he's from. He sounds like he's from Australia, uh, and I don't know how old he is. New Zealand, Frank. New Zealand. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. So. I watch a guy on YouTube from New Zealand. He's in his 20s. I don't know how old he is. I do know, you know, going on social media and YouTube, and there's a fair amount of skaters from, you know, 15, even like little kids, but, you know, there's like the 8 to 12-year-olds coming back, and you've got your, you know, a lot of 18-year-old kids coming back but it's mainly like in europe you know south okay. america um there's a video that just came out recently um i was talking on the live show i did the other night with tree and uh ben from san antonio about this video which i can't remember the name i was gonna look it up but it just came out this year and it's got maybe like eight profiles or ten profiles of skaters from around the world all in that 18 19 20 year old age group and they're all really good um so it's definitely uh, interesting because, you know, for you and me, for doing this show, for what I talk about and the things we're going to talk about, I mean, we're in our, you know, how old are you now? 40-something? I'm 41. 41. All right. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of the skaters now weren't even born. Yeah. You know, I mean, until like the 2000s, like way past like the, you know, the, like our prime period. My uh, shin guards. My shin guards are older than Jared Banning. I bought them at Trend way back in the day. Uh, my mom bought them for me. They were like $49, and I still wear them, and I've worn them this whole time, and they're older than Banning. Those BMX shin guards are really good. They, they were really quite, quite thick. I like the – I have those G-form shin-knee combos, and I just like them because they're very – fit. You, like, you don't really feel them, and they're yeah. pretty, you can wear them underneath your pants. Uh I really like those. I think when those came out, I thought they were going to be made out of that D3O compound, but they're not D3O. They're just foam. Which one? The the ones that you have. The, the G form um, ones. They're whatever hardens when you kick it. Oh, that is D3O. Okay. Yeah, so, yeah, D3O maybe because D th the G form shin guards are what they replaced. That's G form makes all the shin guards now for the soccer in Europe. Interesting. So it's, you know, I've skated them at, because I got them because a house park in uh, in Austin. House Parks is a skate park down downtown Austin. Yeah. I set my shin open like two or three times on that angle iron ledge there by the bull. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, I got to get some shin guards because I hate <laughs> these stitches. And I got the first ones that they made, the shin combo, and they were really good. I hit my shin like right away, hardened up, no problems. 
Um, G Farm actually has a lot of sales like around holidays where you, you get like 50% off. So uh -huh. I got the newest ones for 50% off on a holiday sale and then sold my old ones for the same price I bought the new ones for. Sick. So that worked Sick. out pretty awesome. Uh, Marble City made asks what happened to Protec helmets and Protec helmets are still around. So um, nothing happened to them. I, yeah, I just bought I just bought a new Protec helmet. I bought the stupid one with the earmuffs on it. I like the one Mason skates. Yeah, 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 just like that. I like those. They look really um, good. Yeah, the biggest problem that I have with it is if I show up somewhere with that thing on, like, my impression, if I was looking at someone with that helmet, is, you know, this dude means business, you know, and I'm 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 sad to say that I can't really deliver the business the way that I used to. No, no. If I wore I mean, a helmet like that, if I wore a helmet like that when I was 19, people would have thought I was a psycho. Like, this yeah. guy's probably had 50 concussions. Like Mason. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to you know talk about your skating in the past because back in the day, I mean, when it came to skate parks, a mini ramp in particular, you could do every trick in the book, switch to natural. No problem. I mean, you killed mini ramp. Yeah. And well, some, a fair amount of those were cheater though. Some of them were cheater. Like I, I don't do everything necessarily symmetrically, but I can grind with both feet, no problem. I really only spin to my left uh, counterclockwise. Okay. Uh, but as far as grinding with both feet, I could grind with both feet, uh, no problem. There was a while when I could do switch 540s and I could skate fakie in a bowl switch pretty good. Um, but other, I think there are other people. Um, what's that guy from the actual South? Uh, is it Tim Franken who can do everything both ways? Possibly. It might be Tim Franken I'm thinking of. I can't remember. There's any number of people. Clark is really good. Clark Kirkman, he's been on your show. Uh, there's a lot of people who can do everything both ways. Um, yeah, I I started doing that, you know, because I was living out in Dripping Springs and I had my, my ramps and my driveway and stuff. And it was just me by myself all the time. So I would learn everything both ways just to, like, pass the time, I guess. You Plus, did have a really nice setup there at your parents' house. It was really good. Um, I was just talking about that. I, I've got an, I got a new job that I'm starting <clears throat> uh, in a week or two. And um, I actually talked about that in, the, in one of the interviews that I had for the job. They were asking me about, about you know, dressing up and feeling nervous and that kind of thing. And I said, I had to, when I was 14, we moved to Austin or I moved to dripping. We moved to dripping Springs, which is outside of Austin. And, uh, God. So I played hockey for one season and I still considered myself a hockey player. And I played one season at the at North cross mall league. Do you remember that? It was really terrible. None of the kids were any good. No, I didn't even know they had a league. They did because I played in it. It was about, I don't remember how many, it was 12 games or something. It wasn't that long. And I did that right when I got there and I thought it was terrible. And so I asked my dad if I could build a half pipe instead of using the hockey money, like have the hockey money for a ramp instead. And he said, he said he would entertain the idea and he had me put on my clip on tie and go to his desk, which is currently my desk. It's this desk right here. 
<laughs> and I had to do a presentation with my clip-on tie where I had to identify how much wood it was going to take, how much it was going to cost, uh, how I was going to do the work. And then separately, I had to demonstrate that I could use all the tools safely, which knowing what I know as a carpenter now, none of those tools were safe at all. <laughs> um, it was like, you know, Mima and Papa's old craftsman saws and shit like that. It was really terrible. Um, but he agreed to it. And so I had a budget of like $650 or something. That's nice. Back so, then, that's quite a bit for wood. It was, and certainly back then. So I built a half pipe in the backyard, and then I later took it all apart and moved it to the driveway and made it wider and put uh, a hip on it. And then I had a bunch. Of, I had like a like an actual like a like a copy of the Bauer box, uh, like the original NIST Bauer box. Um, but that was super cool. I got I got a lot of tricks learned on that thing. And then I took welding in high school uh, when I was. 15 or 16 probably 15 i guess uh and so i welded up a bunch of p-rails to skate on i remember like a, like a very junior world. very junior version of uh clark's house now <laughs> did you build a ramp yourself or did your dad help you with it no he didn't help at all i built the whole thing so that really was your introduction into ramp building because you've helped build several ramps throughout the years right yeah yeah, I did um, quite a bit of building for Lonnie's mom, Loretta, at the different skate parks she owned. Um, and then I did, I, I went on a, a, a really crazy tour with Kim Leck from Dallas. And we went to a crazy church thing and we skated in this show with like 20,000 or 40,000 people, like Christian people. Oh, wow. Uh, like praying and like they had, they had, Hawaiian dancers, they had like strong men, like, you know, big strong men who could like pick up refrigerators and shit like that. Uh -huh. And then they had like a stunt show and the dudes there who were building the ramps were kind of overwhelmed. And so I helped build a bunch of the ramps for that show. Uh, and that was, that was cool. That was really spontaneous. Um, I never knew I mean, that. Yeah. It, we'll, have to, we'll have to talk about that sometime. I jumped over a flaming car for the like finale of the show because Kim didn't want to do it. And it was, we'll have to talk about that off air sometime. It was a trip, okay. dude. <laughs> it was That's a trip. Uh, what's your favorite ramp that you built? My favorite ramp that I built? Well, Luke's ramp, I guess. Um, it's, it's the most awesome. I mean, we built almost the same ramp at, at the ramp ranch. Um, but I was really just helping Nate Wessel with that. Uh, Nate largely built that, and then I cheated it. And well, I helped cheat it. There was a bunch of people cheating it. Um, I built that giant drop in at the ramp ranch, the like twelve foot high one that was forty five degrees and came down and had like a tranny at the bottom. Yeah. Looked like a big snowplow. Uh, that thing was cool. It was enormous. Um, but yeah, probably Luke's ramp. I mean, Luke's ramp has been the biggest deal. Luke's ramp is really cool. And now he built like a, like another addition to it with like a, a grand box or something or rail. There's a whole, th so the, um, we, we, 
in building Luke's ramp, we needed to excavate. And so he rented a, like a Bobcat and Kevin Barr drove it and did the excavation. We needed, it's on a slight hill. And so we needed to cut down and across um, to get the high side lower. Um, it sloped, I think, two inches over the 48 feet. Um, but we wanted the top of the deck to be at the same height as a six foot fence. Okay. So it's slightly dug into the ground. Um, <clears throat> anyway, when we excavated all that dirt, we had to move it to somewhere because it couldn't go obviously where it was. And so in Egypt, I happen to know the vocabulary word for this because I stay up late watching like shows about ancient Egypt and shit like that. Anyway, the original, the original design for a pyramid was a thing called a mastaba. And uh, it's imagine like a pyramid with the top cut off. So it's really mm -hmm. just like a low platform with four sloped sides. And so we made one of those as like a viewing area um, so you could sit there and watch people skating. And there were also trees there so you could sit in the shade. Um, and then we we unearthed the dead cat. And so the dead cat was buried in the mastaba too. So it's a proper burial ground for some oh, wow. cats that died. Um <laughs> Anyway, yeah, he just built uh, he just built uh, like a, a big platform with a bunch of grind boxes on it. I haven't been over there since he built it. He only built that, it seems like, maybe only a month ago. Yeah, it's very new. I saw photos of it. Now, when you moved to Denver, I know, well, I, you know, when we were in Austin, when I moved back in 2012 to 2014, we skated quite a bit. I mean, we skated House Park all the time. You built that box with Jared and we used to have the box sessions what like mm -hmm. once a week, which were amazing. Um, it was, that was the two years were probably like probably the heyday of Austin rollerblading. There was so many people living there, so many good skaters and yeah. there was some sort of skate going on almost every night of the week. Um, and you know, and we, so we skated a lot and I know when you moved to Denver, you started doing a box session again there. Uh, built a new box. We actually went to, uh, I forgot which ski area, but we picked up that UMHW for the tops of them. Keystone. Keystone. Um, yeah. That's because uh, your buddy, uh, was it Lipsky? Yeah, John Lipsky. Lipsky, yeah. Uh, hooked it up because he worked there. So yeah. that was for your first box. So I want to know about like going to skating in Austin, going to Denver skating, and then I didn't see you skating as much for a while, like after the box sessions and stuff. Did you kind of take a break or start skating less? And how much are you skating today? Um, today, I don't know. It's, it's, it's maybe today, probably maybe as much as once a month, maybe not quite once a month. Uh, I'd like to be skating more. Uh, we can maybe come back to that. I would like to be skating more and I'm hoping with changing my job, I may be able to skate more in the future. Um, that's that's part of it. Uh, so as far as the as far as Austin, I I would I would consider the box session era when you moved back and I moved back, and we kind of got the old band back together. I would consider that like the second or third heyday. To me, the original heyday would have been the old school bell tower sessions. Okay. Way yeah. back in the day when we'd meet on Cesar Chavez and Colorado uh, at the bell tower. And there would be like 30 or 40 people would show up for that. Yeah. And we'd go skate Radisson, 
and then make our way through downtown and go spaghetti warehouse convention center uh you know sea bench all that old school stuff uh and then some random parks and things we'd find randomly uh so i would call that the first heyday and then the second heyday to me was probably a couple years after that when um when loretta built the first gate park yeah i would call that like the second era heyday um and then, and then I was largely gone for any other heydays that would have occurred in my absence. Because, uh, you know, Mason was still there. Um, I mean, all kinds of people were still there. Jason Howard was there off and on. Uh, yeah, I mean, there, there's all kinds of... Sh- I mean, Anthony Medina was there. He held it down forever. Where well, Anthony also uh, quit though for a long time. Who? Medina. I don't know about that. Yeah, he quit for like seven years. Oh, okay. I never yeah. knew that. Yeah, he quit like a while and then came back into it. And when he came back into it, he came to San Diego uh, to one of those ESCO comps. I saw him there. Okay. Yeah, so he was like, he took a break from, from it for a while. People held it down during that period when because I moved to San Diego in 1999. Yeah. And then I would come to Austin a couple times a year and skate with people. So the people out who were there in Austin that I was skate with when I came back. There wasn't a lot of skate. The scene wasn't very big then, but you had Jason before yeah. he moved to Houston. He moved to Houston for a while, uh, which that's another story because nobody wants moves to Houston, right? From Texas. <laughs> Houston moves to Austin and then they move out of state. If you live in Austin, you move out of state. You don't move to Houston. Um, but he did. So he was an anomaly. But Shannon Rogers, you know, with yeah. Jason and Be Free and Zach Gutweiler. Yeah. And, and Jay. Jay. Jay's been there the whole time. Yeah, and Jay, and so you had them, you know, holding it down. You had, you know, some other people. Um, there was, you know, uh, um, what's his name? Uh, Dench. Oh, yeah. Dench was around that whole time. Uh, and he's, you know, a shredder. And look, yeah, Jason Howard is in the chat. Jason Howard. Jason, Jay Ho, what it do? What up, dude? <laughs> Um, H Town represent. Woo! <laughs> H Town, lol. Yeah, I always gave Jason shit for moving to Houston. You know, um, and when he was in Houston, he he started a skate shop with Chris Fleener, uh, which was Connections. They took over the Loretta shop and moved to Houston, if I recall correctly. Right. Yeah. And um, but then he moved back to Austin, and he moved back to Austin. It was after I moved back to Austin because we visited him when he had his child in Houston yeah. when I first moved to Austin. And he's been back, and Jason is someone who is in our same group. We skated all skated together since the mid-90s. I was thinking I met you around 1996, or was it 95? Uh, I, whatever year, it was the 96 when uh, there was the Traveling X Games event. Yeah. And it was at Auditorium Shores. I think that was about and, 96. Yeah, it probably would have been 96. I think in my mind, a lot of that stuff was 95, but it must have been 96. Because I met Jason and Lon- the first people. See, I, I skated with some people before I met anybody from our like kind of first crew. Yeah. But Jason and Lonnie were the people I met first. And I met yeah. them. I've told the story before, but I, there was a skate shop in Austin called Armadillo Sports. Yeah. And I had a little piece of paper I put on a wall. 
looking with for people to skate with with my phone number, little pull tabs, like you used to see on signs for all sorts of crap. And yeah. I got a phone call from Lonnie and I met Jason at and Lonnie at Heron Rose. And that was the first time I met them. And you know, oh, after wow. that, we met Mike Shields and Mike's little brother. And then we met you at that that uh, ASA thing because um, I was there with Jason and Lonnie yeah. was there and if some other skaters from back in the era. But, you know, from our original crew, you know, most people still skate, you know, you or maybe not most, but a lot. You, Jason, Shannon, Lonnie ish skates ish now, not as much as he used to. But yeah, I talked to him. and He's trying to get back into it. Okay. Um, and then, you know, Aunt Medina, he was around back then. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, and Jay. Um, yeah, Jay was around forever. And, and McBay, you know. And McBay was around forever, too. Yeah. yeah. So so there's a lot of uh, – and then there's some people that pop up, like uh, Seth. Seth is still blading. Seth Grunderson? Yeah. Gunderson? Yeah, yeah Seth. Gers Seth. No, Gershowitz. So, Gershowitz. Gershowitz. I thought it was Gunderson. Oh, I know. Uh, well, Seth, anyway, Seth is another cool Austin dude that we skated with way back in the day, and he still skates, and he's, he's pretty good. He's always been pretty good. Yeah. Um, he came and, out to a dark session at one point, Seth did. Yeah, he did. Now, we also have Barrett Woodward in the house. He's been around for a long time. Barrett. Uh, you know. Barrett's dope. And I talked to Fritz on the phone. Fritz actually called me earlier because he's hosting a he's going to be hosting a contest in Houston, he wants me to help promote it. So I'm going to talk to him tomorrow. I didn't have time to talk to him. But I wanted to go way back. You know, you had mentioned when you moved to Dripping Springs, which Dripping Springs at that time was a small town outside of Austin, Texas. And it was a pretty far drive. Now Dripping Springs is pretty much part of Austin. It's yeah. grown a lot. They have a skate park now. Um, it's you know, totally different. But you said you did hockey around that time when did you get your first inline skates i got my first inline skates on my birthday in 1988 when we moved to virginia uh we moved just before my birthday and my parents got me a pair of roller derby phantoms oh, wow. uh, for my birthday maybe it was 89 it was 89 it was 89 so 1989 i got my first pair of skates i was and about then to I had Hockey skates for everything after that until I got Carmax in probably 1995 when we moved to, to Austin. Okay. And where did you live before that? Before, um, or before Dripping Springs? Oh, South Lake, Texas. Right, right. Well, it used to – I shouldn't – I feel bad saying it now because now it's like this super rich, super hoity-toity place. When I lived there – uh, it was like pretty rural. It was a two A had just turned to three A, a size school. So maybe only one to two hundred kids in the graduating class, mm -hmm. and there was only one, one or two elementary schools feeding into that, and then one middle school. Uh, so it was really small, and it was fairly rural. It was just a suburb, like a bedroom community. Okay. Uh, now it's still a bedroom community, but it's like a bedroom community for fairly wealthy people. Um, but yeah, I always say Dallas or DFW, just because I don't like telling people it's from I'm from South Lake. 
Right. Yeah. Well, you know, no one from the Dallas suburbs says says they're from the suburbs, right? They're all from Dallas. Yeah. Unless, well, unless they're from Plano, they say they're from Plano. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> South Lake is actually a lot closer to Fort Worth than it is to Dallas, but I don't know anybody who ever said they're from Fort Worth except for people on episodes of Cops, <laughs> you know, getting arrested for stealing chickens or whatever. <laughs> That's hilarious. Fuck you, <laughs> man. I'm from Fort Worth. They're trying to stuff in this guy in the cab and he's yelling at the cops. When you, uh, when you, like, how did you first get into, like, grinding? What, what did you see? Did you see a video? Did you watch a movie? What made you want to start, like, doing grinds and tricks on inline skates? So there were dudes on my hockey team in Dallas uh, who, who were into it. And they were going to what at the time was called Jeff Phillips Skate Park. And it was still called Jeff Phillips Skate Park the first time I went there. And I had a pair of uh, Lightning TRS, maybe, or just Lightnings. I think they were just Lightnings. Uh, but those guys didn't take their hockey skates to the skate park. They all took their plastic skates. And I had a pair. And so I took those and went with them. Uh, and I must have seen there was a, a, a tall black dude who was way older than me. But he was probably like 18, <laughs> you know. Uh, and he was doing front sides and back sides and he could do fakie 360s over the spine that they had there. And I really, really want to say that I might have met Sean Robertson then. Uh, we met, you know, three or four guys and they all had that real mid-90s look, you know, the big pro-design knee pads with the big shorts and chain wallets, T-shirt, backwards hat. And like elbow elbow pads and wrist pads and all that, and they were doing <clears throat> they were doing backslides, and I remember thinking that's just impossible. Uh, as as a hockey skater though, playing ice hockey, I could imagine the stability of being on what I could imagine was the outside edge, uh, but it didn't really make sense to me, and I didn't understand that like you get boot and then you have stability. Mm -hmm. uh, I would have no way of no one could have explained that to me and I had no way of knowing it just by looking because I didn't really know what I was looking at that must have been you know 94 95 territory um, and I could do the ramps you know I could drop in straight away I was scared to death of the vert ramp I thought it went over vert because when you look in to drop in you know it always looks like it's over vert um, I'm pretty sure that I got to the point where I could both sit in and drop in on the vert ramp before I left Dallas to go to Dripping Springs. And so the seed had already been planted, uh, that grinding was neat, mm -hmm. uh, but I still considered myself a hockey player. And I remember having like a journal in middle school where I remember writing something like, you know, I'm a hockey player till I die. I'll, I'll never go freestyle, man. You know? And uh, <laughs> within a year, I had built, you know, my own half pipe in my backyard. That's hilarious. And then went to Woodward uh, the second, I think the second year they had inline, which would have been summer of 96, I think. Because Colony, Colony 1 was shot, I think, in 95. And it had, you know, the shots with Tim, Tim uh, Tom Fry mm -hmm. and Chris Edwards stalling up in the rafters, the Morton Bowl. And it was a pretty epic line that he had going through there. And Ryan's Lockie. And some of those other old school guys. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, that's really cool. I want to talk to you about Woodward. I just want to shout out a few people in the chat. We got Sean Michelson. He had those Good were his too. Purple frames. We got Launder, always here supporting the channel. We got one of your neighbors from down south, Josh. Hey, Josh. What's up, Josh? How you doing? Hey, Josh. We've got Tim Schmidt in the house. Tim so, Schmidt. Hey. Oh hell yeah, Tim. And he's doing his rampant camp. It's, I think it's happening this coming weekend. Um, Are you serious? Fuck, dude. I need to go out there sometime. Yeah, I'm he's really doing them like, consistently. And I saw that this one, he's going to have a a proto um, trade show as well. Trying the first one to try, try it out, which is really cool. Tim's uh, a fucking gangster. I haven't man. made it out there yet either. I'd love to go check it out. I want to go to his ramp and Clark's ramp. Um, you know, Frank, I just remembered the last time I saw you, I think, was not... Colorado trip. I think it was what year is it at Woodward? Okay. And as we were just talking about Woodward, you know, Woodward's is a place that you and Jason and Lonnie and several of the Austin and Dallas skaters and Houston skaters, Las yeah. skaters Texas, would go to in the nineties. Um, I want to hear about like what Woodward was like for you, what Woodward was like for you and how it molded your skating. Um, like to make maybe you a better skater, like for park skating. Like, what was experience like as a kid going to Woodward? Uh, so Woodward was amazing. The first year that I went there, uh, I was just pretty much invisible. I was just another kid. There was a guy, uh, whose name was either Frank or Bob. I can't remember which, but it wasn't Bob Lewis. I think his name might have been Frank. He had a shaved head, and he was a pretty badass guy. Um, but it rained the entire week I was there. And so they put us on what they called rain schedule, which is just like a free for all. And so there was no, there was no instruction the first year I went there. Uh, and it was just a total free for all. Um, that I, I, I hadn't like clicked into being good yet. I was still kind of like a kid at that point. Uh, the following year I went back and I, I can't remember that second year must have been the year I met Hakeem, which is going to come up later. Uh, Cause I saw some of the things you were, some of the talking points you had. Um, yeah. So Woodward was amazing. Uh, it was amazing to just be there in the presence of all these people. You'd be walking to breakfast and you'd see Tony Hawk. You'd be, you know, going to get a, a, a hamburger at lunchtime and you'd see Roadhouse, you know, and and all kinds of people. I met, my first year I met uh, Dave Payne and I met uh, um, Tom Fry and those guys were both already legendary to me uh, because of who I looked up to in skating. Uh, back in the day, my favorite skaters were probably uh, Tom Fry and like Brian Bell. Uh, we could, I guess we could come back to that. Just keep this about Woodward. Um, it was probably the third year that I went back that we had Lonnie and Jason and Fleener and Grant and maybe Eddie Rubio and Dane. Mm -hmm. I can't remember. I feel like those dudes were, yeah, those dudes would have been there. Yeah, they were there. Um, and then we went for a couple more years after that before we were all. 18 or 19 and couldn't go as campers anymore. Uh, it was really amazing. I mean, the ramps were incredible. 
Uh, everything was huge. You know, a lot of kids back then would kind of, that's sort of a face-saving maneuver, I guess. They would talk about how they're really good at street and they're not good to, like, ramp skaters. And, you know, John Liskey and Mike Falcone and all the other guys who were staffed, you know, we're kind of sick of hearing that. It's like, well, look, you didn't come to street camp. You came to ramp camp, you know. So it's time to learn how to skate the ramp. Jeff Laredo was a great uh, instructor there. Um, one of my first years, I had Dave Kolosh as an instructor. And we were already better than he was at that point, for the most part. Not nearly legendary like he was. Um, but, you know, we were doing True Spin Fish Brain, and he was still doing Mizu, you know. <laughs> uh, so he just sat there eating ice cream, watching us skate the whole time. And we, he'd take us wherever we wanted to go. And that was super fun. Uh, I met at one point all the guys from the FR team. There was like Dayton Coopersmith and Gil Velasquez and a bunch of those guys came out. And, you know, Fast Shoes had already come out. So I knew that all those guys were like amazing, especially Gil Velasquez. Uh, but I don't know that he'd ever been on a ramp before in his life because he's like a straight up, you know, street guy, street rat. Uh, it was really fun. I feel like I'm, I'm kind of bouncing all over the place, but Woodward was really amazing back in the day. And it had, it had that kind of heyday feel about it because there was all these legendary people. You see, you know, Tom Fry, you know, standing in line to get a hot dog next to you. And I mean, I, I got that first year, I got my picture taken with Tom Fry and with Dave Payne. All right. And, I think I showed the picture to Dave, and he was like, I have no idea which kid you were. <laughs> oh, of course not. He had dealt with so many kids back then. There was like 600 inliners a week back then. Yeah, it was insane. It, very insane. What was it like going back for what year is it? Did you catch up with any people you hadn't seen since those early? Yeah, I mean, I hadn't seen most of those people. I hadn't seen Mike Falcone and his wife in a long time. I came out. One of the times I came to see you in San Diego, I saw Mike and Steph out there. Um, but I hadn't seen them together in a long time. Uh, I hadn't seen uh, Tim Adams in like forever. Uh, I got to see Tim. I got to hang out well with K-Bar, you know, from here, Kevin Barr and his brother Skeeter. Uh, and that was a super fun trip. Skeeter was snoring <laughs> terribly in that cabin. It was brutal. Um <laughs> But uh, Clark Kirkman and uh, Casey Norris and all those guys. Mm -hmm. And then uh, just a whole bunch of ran random people, you know, that I, I wouldn't have necessarily kept in touch with. But you see them again and you're like, hey, you know, it's been 20 years. How you been? <laughs> right, right. That's pretty uh, And everybody's completely moved on with their lives. You know, it's neat. It's really nostalgic. Um, really, really nostalgic to go back there for that. Yeah, it was a really cool event. I'm glad I made it. Um... It was definitely, I would never go back there and stay in the cabins again. Uh, I would definitely get like an Airbnb because I was next to New York City and they were partying the entire so, time. Yeah. Well, our, our cabin was pretty tame. We we uh, we thought there was going to be a bunch of people in there, but it was like me and Skeeter and K-Bar and either one or two other dudes or nobody. I can't even remember. But it was tame. We were asleep by, you know, 10 o'clock every night. We got uh, Lander <laughs> says, if I ever get married, which probably I won't, I would like to change my last name to Stoner. 
Do it. There's not enough stoners. There isn't. I don't. I've only known one other stoner, and that was Ryan Stoner, who also yeah. And funny story is there was a skater from Louisiana who oh, yeah. long he did BMX. His name was Stony Doucette. And Frank and Stony flew together. Was it to Woodward? Yeah, to Woodward. So they flew together to Woodward. You can tell the story from here, Frank. Mm. Yeah, so we both we, we didn't fly together. We connected at the same place. We connected in uh, wherever, Atlanta or someplace. And we both had to check in for the next flight. And, you know, I, you know, we're both there and I sent it back back with our skates on the back and like, hey, are you going to Woodward right now? And he's like, yeah. So we went up to the counter and we started talking and everything. And we both handed our driver's license or passports or whatever identification to the lady. She's like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're stoner and he's stony. You're kidding me. You know, you kids need to get the fuck out of here. She was going to like not let us on the plane because she thought we were faking it. <laughs> That's so funny. And yeah, that would have been. Really yeah, good. all those Louisiana guys were there all that same time, too. Yeah. Uh, Stoney and Brady and Pat and um, God, I wish I could remember all those guys. I could see their faces, but I can't remember all their names. Stoney, his dad was a really good chef from Louisiana that wrote a bunch of cookbooks. And Stoney's also a chef. And I don't know if you know this or not, but in the in the Inflet or in the Ramp Ranch days, which is the skate park that we had mentioned that opened in 97, right? 97, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Lonnie Gagos' mom, Loretta, opened it. Um, there was a little child that rode BMX. His name was Chase Hawk. Oh, yeah. He's becoming one of the best masters in history, still is to this day. Very, very... Very good skater. I mean, not skater, BMXer. Yeah, biker. Tony ended up becoming his personal chef. He would travel with Chase and cook his meals. And that was Tony's job. Whoa, I didn't know that. <laughs> so he's the only like athlete I know in extreme sports who actually has a traveling personal chef that goes with him. But I guess that's when you a sponsor, um, that's what happens. That's uh, amazing. I wanted to go back. You had mentioned your favorite skaters were what, Tom Fry and Brian Bell. Is that right? Well, from back in the day. From back in the day. Um, who? What skaters had the biggest influence on you and on your style? Um, I don't know that I ever really tried to imitate anybody. Um, I mean, like, you know, Roadhouse and Maddie Mance were my same age. And so, you know, I imagined myself sort of in their same lineage. Because uh, a lot of the other guys were older. Brian Bell was a couple years older. Uh, obviously, Brian Kanowski was older. Arlo was older. Um, you know, B-Love, he was older. Uh, Dave Kolosh, he was older. All the guys that were in. Basically, all the guys in the bottom line. The bottom line is still my favorite video. Um, I can watch it right now and be thrilled. I love the soundtrack. I love the skating. I love the energy. Uh, it, that the bottom line is is the first video I saw. I probably they probably had it playing either at Jeff Phillips Skate Park or at Rapid Revolution, just on one of the TVs. Mm -hmm. And I saw that, and I saw Dare to Air, and Dare to Air already felt pretty old when I saw it the first time. 
uh, like the guy in the skate shop would like go and put a VHS in the thing because he knew rollerbladers were there. Uh, I guess as a courtesy, <laughs> you know. Um, and I think that that skate park up in Dallas, it was probably dying in one way or another. And so there really wasn't all that much hostility towards rollerbladers. And so I didn't really, really know that there was a bias against us until sort of way later. Um, Are you talking about Rapid Revolutions? Yeah, it was called Jeff Phillips. Yeah, it was Jeff Phillips before that. Yeah. Um, and when it was in, it had, there's a couple of clips of <clears throat> a couple of different people in the bottom line from Jeff Phillips Skate Park. And I'm pretty sure at that time it was still called Jeff Phillips. It wasn't until later that they changed the name to Rapid Revolution. Um, and I don't know the story about when did Jeff Phillips die and did that have anything to do with it? Because I remember for like a month it was called Jeff Phillips Memorial Skate Park. And then it became called Rapid Revolution. So I don't know if somebody bought it from somebody else or how yeah, that all I'm not sure what happened with that. I know that during that period... Rapid Revolutions closed not long after Eisenberg's opened. So, but there was that period when we would go to Dallas. One of them was probably on a Blueberry Hat Tour, which we can go into it shortly. But we would go to Dallas quite a bit because Dallas had a lot of skating going on. And at one point, they had three really good indoor parks. They had Rapid Revolutions, they had Eisenberg's, and they had Freestyle in Kinnendale. All oh, yeah, wow. far apart from each other. Yeah, like 40 miles apart each. And if Jason Howard is still in this chat, I recall him getting in the trunk of the car at Rapid Revolutions because there wasn't room in the car and riding all the way to Freestyle Skate Park. Oh, my God. That's a memory I have. Jason, is this a true memory? If, if it is, let me know in the chat because... I totally feel like that happened. Um, and one thing about like back in the day in Austin skating, I was, I was the, like the old, pretty much the oldest out of everyone by a couple of years. So I had like the driver's license in the car and I would drive everyone around. They would get like dropped off downtown by their parents or whatever. And I had this 82 VW Jetta. Yeah. And we would squeeze like eight kids into and not just eight kids, but eight kids with full pads and flyaway helmets, super stinky. Yeah. So stuff four kids in the back, like Jason would lay across everybody. You'd have somebody in the passenger seat, somebody like in the floor in the passenger seat. Uh, little crazy days. You were part of the flyaway crew, right? Yeah, I had a flyaway helmet. Um, my sister had a crush on Christian Slater, and she was constantly watching Gleaming the Cube. And in the, the like the climactic scene of the movie, spoiler alert, <laughs> he's wearing a flyaway helmet. Uh, and one of the things is that his mom in the movie, the mom, bought him the helmet. And my mom had picked up on that. And so she bought it for me, uh, thinking if, if she bought me that, then it was cool looking and I would wear it was the thing. I always wear a helmet now, but I didn't, you know, obviously back in the day. Um but yeah, I had a flyaway helmet. For sure. helmet so ugly. I had one too. I think everyone had them, and and people had warm in the car too. So it was like everyone was really. Well, there was nowhere else to put it. I mean, the 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 most space saving place would have been on your head if you had 
13 helmets on the ground, you wouldn't have any place to put your feet. So the best skater during that time, that early days, you know, that did like the biggest rails and, and kind of tech tricks was Mike Shields. You know, Mike Shields was a really good skater and he wore like pro design knee pads. Everybody had pro design. So pro design knee pads yeah. with pro design elbow pads for shin guards, like elbow pads and his elbows and then on his forearms. And like he was covered in pads. Yeah. It was, uh, I've never seen anything like it to this day, but he was incredible at skating and he yeah. was, yeah. I mean, to me, like, you were there before that, and I didn't meet you guys until a lot of that crew had kind of coalesced. Um, but by the time I got there, um, you know, to me it was Jason Jason Howard and Mike Shields were, like, obviously the two best and kind of competing or, or on a parallel track. Um, because the first time that we all skated together – uh, Jason did the Blue Dragon, um, and that was the first time I'd seen anything like that. And I thought it was just amazing. Some dude gave him five bucks. He like fluttered yeah. it down from the bridge and gave him five bucks. Oh, Probably Jay that clip might be on one of your high eight tapes someplace. Right, so I mean, Jason far surpassed Mike in skating. You know, well, uh, Mike didn't last much longer yeah, than that. Mike I mean, already has been before by the time we read a short period. You know, he did those 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 rails in Corpus, those downtown uptown rails. The yeah. White, like backslid those in like '94 or whatever. Yeah. Uh, you know, he early on did some pretty gnarly tricks, but he wasn't around very long. Jason stuck around, and Jason, you know, destroyed like every spot in Austin. Yeah. Uh, which is was awesome, and Jason still shreds it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um. And Jason also confirmed that he did sit in the trunk. <laughs> from Kinnendale or from Rapparosia to Kinnendale, which is a good hour, hour and a half with traffic. There's always traffic in Dallas, right? Um, I mean, he could have fucking died back there. Jason know, well, you know, it was definitely a good thing we didn't get pulled over. Um, don't want to have a kid in the trunk, right? <laughs> uh, so we did some trips like, there's a lot of silly, you know, Obviously, fashion in 90s rollerblading fashion was quite silly looking back at it. You know, you had like Jinkos or like really baggy pants and big shirts and visors and, you know, whatever. And and I know a trend that you were really into was duct tape everything. Duct tape wallets, duct tape your pants, Jason duct tape stuff. Um, you guys were like all about duct tape. Right? <laughs> I mean, what we were emulating was seeing guys like Dave Kolosh who had like the Senate jeans and they would cut them off or they would fray at the bottom <clears throat> and they would duct tape around that. Um, and it's it just, it's, it's, it's such a like middle school era embarrassing thing that, that we were, you know, emulating. Uh, <laughs> and it duct tape wallets that felt like more of a stunt, I guess. Rather than Jason even duct taped his skates that he got some some sort of rollerblade skates he got some new ones and duct taped them like just put duct tape on them just for decoration I'm pretty sure it's like to you know keep them fresh well you know if you and keep Jason the duct tape on that in the chat right now <laughs> did you duct tape your skates Jason let us know 
Um, and Jason is somebody who's going to, I'm going to be getting on here as well in the near future. Now, yeah, we got to hear from Jay Hill. Jason has a lot to say and he's been around. I mean, Jason, you know, wrote for Razors. So I got to skate with him quite a bit in Texas. Um, Jason says, true. He duct taped his skates. <laughs> lightnings they were. The, the, the thing I always remember about Jason was like, we would be waiting for Jason to go and either his mom or somebody's mom was going to take us and drop us off downtown or, or we were going to take the bus uh, to get downtown. But he would always match his t-shirt color with his shoe, like skate laces color. And we're like, dude, we're, we're trying to leave, you know, do that in the car or whatever. And he's like, no, fool. I got it. <laughs> yeah, he had like the Charlie Brown shirt, like the yellow and the yellow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like if he's wearing a yellow shirt, he put yellow shoelaces. In yeah, the kind of he like, uh, he was the one who inspired Vinnie Mitten. It must have been. I'm <laughs> sure that's true. Because Jason, I mean, I, Jason was killing it before I ever heard of Vinnie Mitten. And Jason as well originally grew up skating in the Bay Area, so. Oh yeah, that's a, that's a good connection. Yeah, with Robert Guerrero, who Robert Guerrero's back by me now, so I'm supposed to hang out with Robert again sometime here in the next week or so. Do a follow up interview with him from when cool. he was here last time, which was before he went to Europe to to work at Blading Camp, which he did that all summer. That's rad. Well, yeah, you'll see Rob before I do. So tell him I said what's up. I will do. Now. We're going to go back to Austin one more time. And what was it like for you growing up in Austin, having Austin as your city to skate? Obviously, Austin's changed quite a bit since we were there in the 90s, yeah. 2000s until today. But what was it like? What was Austin like for you back then? And are you like, were you just happy to be to have Austin as your city to learn to skate in? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I thought that the spots were amazing, uh, the street spots in particular. I was, I was, uh, I was bummed that you know there wasn't a skate park there. There was that one that you and Colin did that was in that mm -hmm. parking lot by Auditorium Shores. And it got torn down. And it got torn down a month later or a week later. Or yeah, we picked up that mini ramp and brought it down there. And yeah, um, you know there was never a park there, and so that was a bummer. And for, for a, a brief period of time, my, my, you know, driveway setup would have been among the better stuff that was there. Corey Thornhill had a vert ramp that we went to. Yeah, we did go to that. And then those other dudes, uh, Jason, somebody, skateboarder. Jason Schmally. Jason Schmally. Him and that other guy who worked Harry, for Loretta Harry, for a little Harry, while. Harry Jackson. Harry, yeah. Yeah, they had uh, that mini ramp that was pretty sweet. Well, one thing I'm going to interject, Austin, Texas, back in the 90s, was the mecca for BMX. Yeah. West, that and like someplace in, in Pennsylvania. But everybody was there. And and also skateboarding was really big. And I, as I mentioned earlier, I was a little bit older than all the rollerbladers. So most of my friends were skateboarders and BMXers. And I also skateboarded and BMXed a little bit, but you know, at nighttime I go skate with like the, the skateboarders, and during the day we go to night jumps, whatever. So I knew them all, and there was a ton of backyard ramps in Austin, and we were able to skate a fair amount of them. There was a period we would just go to different ones, some of them just once, but 
to all the skateboarders and, and BMXers were all pretty open to letting us skate back then, you know, um, which was always really cool. I don't think that would have been the case in a lot of cities in America at that time. And uh, I, I, in Austin, you know, you had mentioned that there was no parks like backyard ramps. I like the backyard ramp scene even better than actual skate parks, you know. Well, I mean, you're never going to get all the same stuff, though. Like, a backyard mini ramp is, is awesome, but we all wanted a bower box, right. a down rail, launch box, um, you know, spine ramp, bigger stuff like that. And, you know, no one had, you know, what Luke has now, what Clark has now, no, what, uh, what Schmitty has now. Nobody had anything in that ballpark. I mean, it's not even close. Somebody building a four-foot-tall, 16-foot-wide mini ramp is awesome. Uh, but it's nothing compared to the skate park. I mean, just the ramps. I mean, the ramps that we had at, at Intellect and then later at the Ramp Ranch, you know, were amazing. I mean, those are some of the best ramps I've ever skated. Um, yeah, but so mainly the Austin scene back in the day was street. Mm -hmm. And I always gravitated towards uh, like big rails. You know, I looked up to people like Brian Bell and the idea of doing a soul grind down a 20 kink rail sounds awesome to me. Uh, you know, the idea of skating ledges and doing alley fish brain on a ledge didn't seem all that impressive to me. Um, so I wasn't ever much of a ledge skater. Uh, and it was just it was just rails. And back in the day, everybody skated big everything. I mean, we would skate Tracor as like a regular spot. And that's like a 50 stair. And we would skate um, Travis High School, which was also another 50 stair, as a regular spot. And Radisson, Kink Rail, and the Blue Dragon, we would go skate as one of the first stops every weekend. Uh, so it was nice. I felt like one of the things that was nice about it was that there were, I felt, I felt like in the middle, there were people who were older than me, like you and Colin, who were nearby. And so I felt safe. Um, but then there was a lot of people who were my same age. Lonnie and Jason are basically my same age. And then there were people younger than me. Uh, so, like, I felt sort of night, neatly in the middle. Um, and so that was that was something that was safe. Also, my sister was kind of a wild child. And so she had kind of run my parents ragged before I came of age. And then by the time I was a teenager, you know, I wasn't chasing girls. I wasn't on drugs. Um, they didn't really care what I did. They just wanted to make sure I got home safe. And so, you know, my curfew was, I say what time I'm going to be home and I have to be home at that time. Uh, and that was pretty easy to manage. Um, so the Austin scene was, was a very good scene to grow up in. And we had a lot of good skaters and a lot of good friends there. Uh, and so it was just lovely. I would describe the whole experience as lovely. Uh, it doesn't sound super hardcore when you just define it that way, but mm -hmm. you know, I, I, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have wanted to grow up any other way. It was terrific. And what about the city itself? Like in your, you know, late teens, early twenties, what was Austin like for you? It was amazing. I mean, skating the university of Texas. That's like a skate. Uh, first of all, legendary skate spot. I mean, yeah. skate spot doesn't even cover it. Cause it's like it's 50 like park. It's like a skate park university. Yeah, like, absolutely. Uh, I mean, I mean that the red rails, you know, red rail is unbelievable. Up both sides. 
Yeah, White I'll Rail was amazing. White Rail, just skatable now. Is it really? PCL. I I watched a clip of somebody skated um, from back in the day, and it looks it looks steeper on video than it felt in real life. It it didn't feel steep at all. It felt like a handicap rail, but it's it's like ten or twelve flat, ten or twelve. Yeah, it's 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 pretty mellow. It's a pretty mellow rail because it's the stairs mellow, are, but it's, the stairs are really wide. Yeah, the stairs are probably two feet long. Yeah, and you know maybe five inches high or something like that. Um, B Love rolled the curb that one day. I love Austin. I loved Austin for skating. Actually, I think I've always loved Austin for skating. I loved it back then. The thing about 90s in Austin, your know, 90s downtown was abandoned. You know, there was not much businesses. It was just a bunch of little buildings and warehouses. And, you know, now it's like everything's been torn down. It's high rises. It's like a crystal city. It's overwhelming. It's not the Austin we grew up in. But mm -hmm. at the same time, they did a great job with the trail building because, you know, you never really got into the big wheel blading. But, you know, for me, yeah, no. all the trails, you know, there's separate bike paths everywhere. There's trails that go out to the suburbs. There's trails everywhere, which is yeah. great. We did the night skates. Skates are so much fun to skate in Austin at night. Um, and then the skate parks. They just built – they're building skate parks all over the place. You know, there's tons of skate parks. Yeah. And that's you know, The skate park thing, people ask me all the time, like, do I think rollerblading is going to die again or whatever? Um, well, I feel like obviously rollerblading is a different place today. You know, back when we skated or rec skaters were skating back in the nineties, there wasn't the trails, there wasn't the skate parks. You know, now there's a lot more places to skate, safe places to skate. You don't have to quit because there's no place to skate. You got plenty of places to skate. So I feel like some of those things are going to keep the sport alive, you know, or keep people in it longer um, than back in the day. You know. Yeah. Well, also. Uh, like, like just by the numbers, the the population of like Greater Austin is like two million now, mm -hmm. and when we were kids there, it was like two hundred fifty thousand. Yeah, it was small. I mean, it's it's eight times bigger than it was. You know, there's there's roads that weren't there. It was just like farmland. Like you hear your parents talk about. Oh, I remember when that you know that building used to be a. Of, you know, old farmer so and so used to have cows over there, and now it's a highway. Oh, where my parents' house was was pretty much outside of town. You know, what's and that? Where my parents bought their house was pretty much outside of town. Oh like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's only ten minutes from downtown, but it's you know now it's like central Austin. You know when yeah, you, oh yeah, big time. You know North Austin. My um, parents' old house there's just sold for one point two million bucks. Well, yeah, I wouldn't doubt it. Can you imagine that? That's insane to me. Uh, your aunt's house in Clarksville has got to be worth a ton if she still has that. She does, yeah. Um, they uh, Actually, my uncle, she and my uncle were just here. They were on their way up to uh, see my cousin in Seattle or outside of Seattle. And uh, they are either done with or in the process of getting their house uh, uh, classified as a historical home. Okay. Uh, this is a, a old school fact that no one but someone from Austin back in the day will recognize. But the um, the the concrete sidewalks all over Austin um, were made by a concrete um, contractor named Moffries, M A F F R A I S, I think. And his stamp is all over town in the sidewalks. If you're drunk and you fall on your face, you're liable to fall on a Moffrey's sidewalk. 
Uh, and he lived in my aunt's house. Oh, really? and he built it in 1920. Oh, and wow. so most of the sidewalks that were still there with his stamp on it uh -huh. uh, were built in like 1930. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. So that's a for that that's one of the main reasons that they were able to get their house classified as a uh, uh, historical home or whatever. Yeah, I just saw that the Now's Pharmacy up the street from there just closed down. Oh, yeah. Um, but that neighborhood had some good skate spots as well. It had the curved that John curved that Jason Howard shredded the shit out of. Um, I was just thinking that. I'm thinking I maybe only ever did Stolen Royale down that rail. It's a gnarly rail. It wasn't that bad. I mean, it's like, it's got, it's like an angled, it's got like the crossbars, or not the crossbars. Oh, the supports, yeah, the supports are angled like this. Angled. So if you come off far far side, then you can totally wreck yourself. Yeah, but there was such a hill, you would never hit those. I mean, the biggest threat is the sign as you're coming around the corner, you get fucking rinsed on that sign. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that was 20 or 30 stairs, super steep, and like a 90 degree curve straight down. That's that was, really cool. yeah, that's like four blocks from her house. And I still see people skating it. So to this day, that's, that's the one thing. A lot, of the, a lot of, you know, some ledge spots got capped and, and obviously a lot of buildings just got torn down, but there's still a lot of old spots that we skated, you know, still, skatable. still, yeah, still skatable. And they just built so many spots. I mean, that's one thing that was cool. Like, you know, with the trails that I was skating with the big wheel skates, I found so many new skate spots just off those trails because they had to be yeah. new schools and like whatever uh, that we would go skate at. Um, we go back to a couple of questions in. Wait, 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 wait. Let me interrupt. Okay. Let me interrupt because uh, somebody who's in Austin needs to go and tell us if Bird Shit Rail is still there because your audience should know that you fucking slayed Bird Shit Rail. There was two rails in a row on a weird staircase just up the river from what we called heroin rail. And uh, it was probably like seven or eight or nine stairs, maybe nine stairs, maybe even 10 stairs. Maybe it was nine and then 10. So you, you do the one and then there's a quick landing and a turn. And then there's a second one. And you must, what, what, what video was that scratched or America's army America's army okay. rocket macchio on the rocket macchio and acid and soul and but I also did half cab rocket macchio at the top one but it's not on on, on back Nugan maybe or something no not Nugan I mean I, I never there's never really been no one ever really filmed me when I was skating very much you know yeah, I, that's, that's footage, I filmed everybody at the skate park but nobody ever filmed me I have a photograph of you doing a backslide down the eight stair at the convention center. I will find it and I will send it to you. Oh yeah, that would be sick. I want to see it's that. It's like full, like you had the Senate pants on. Uh, <laughs> you had uh, your crazy, crazy red hair on top. Uh, pretty good beard, not today's beard, but pretty good beard going. Uh, and it would have been, I think, in your majestic twelves. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but I have a photograph I somewhere. It. It's in it's in this house. It's probably within ten feet of where I'm standing. Because behind me, I put these cabinets up, and there's like just boxes of old stuff in there. And then I've got my tubs. You can't see the dark. Um, for anybody wondering, I turned the lights off in my office because uh, the glare on my glasses is terrible. Because I've got a light bulb right above me, and it was 
It looks yeah, weird. Part of the pregame panic of today's episode. Um, but yeah, yeah, I will find you, Jan. I will find you that picture and I will send it to you. It definitely, uh, you know how, you know how, as you went down, there was like a two stair and then a three stair and then a four stair and it went all the way to like yeah. eight and then, stairs. And then there was a, yeah, and then around the corner was a and line. And around the corner was the 215 yeah. stairs. Yeah. Uh, and I'm sure that it was the last one or maybe the second to last rail in that. Mm -hmm. accumulating uh line of of rails yeah i want to see that i think I was, uh, we got kicked out the pretty sure we got kicked out that spot almost every time we went yeah like within minutes yeah every time and yeah, every time. rails they weren't even that great rails I, I was thinking back at some of my favorite spots back then was at the university of texas by the yeah. fountain there was like all the little stir ledges that were like this high and yeah. it was like, there was kink ones there was like you know like 10 flat 10, oh. 10 flat 15 and then there was the ones going to through the tower where you could just set slide down them yeah there was those things were really fun to skate and yeah. then all the really high ledges that they had there all those sidewalks though <clears throat> were that like gravel concrete mm -hmm. it's not gravel it's like they're like stone almost it's almost like a european sidewalk where it's not gravel like loose gravel but it's like it's not it's not a good surface. It's a terrible um, surface for falling on. Yeah, like the so the top of white rail had a concrete slab, but the bottom was that same shit. And then the black rails that were just down the way from white rail, mm -hmm. um, they were that for the stairs, the landing, and the approach. Um, and I guess the landing was like that at red rail too. But yeah. the top was those big concrete pavers. Anyway. Yep. Did you see um, the clip of red of the guy skating red rail in Anthony Medina's new video? Did you see Medina's new video? Ends. No, I haven't seen it yet. Ends is the new video from Anthony Medina. There's a uh -huh. book that goes with it from Mick Castles. It's really cool. I ordered it. Um, oh, sick! Twenty of them left. If anybody wants it, get on to his website. It's mickcasals.com. But Ends, there's a skater, not somebody you know or I know, some skater who moved to Austin in the past couple of years. Red Rail, they welded those. They yeah. welded these like these brackets, like three of them. He's yeah, they're like big steel plates. Up at every bracket, so he does like switches at every bracket to over the brackets to different tricks. It's super oh, that's sick. Dude. Yeah, super sick. We, me and Lonnie and Jason had some of the most legendary sessions there on Christmas Day. We kept it up for maybe two or three years, where after everybody had done their family stuff. We would go there because it was one of the only days in the year when that guard shack at the bottom wasn't guarded, uh, and that's why that spot was always such a bust was because the fucking guard shack was there, and the dude didn't staff it on Christmas, and uh, like me and Lonnie and Jason and like Dane and Eddie had some legendary sessions there where we skated for like four or five hours and just did like every single trick there was to do. It's still I like. Mean, I know that Medina and them, um, they've done that every Christmas Day for the past. Yeah, like, that's awesome. Yeah, that's, that's like. Awesome. It's uh, a shame. I, somewhere I have the actual dimensions for that spot. And if I ever win the lottery or whatever, I'm going to build out of the same materials, concrete. You know, it's not going to be on a ramp or whatever. It's like an exact clone of that. And oh, my God, it's, it's one of the most legendary rails on or on the earth. So I remember that. Uh, Back in the day, um, 
what was I going to say? Uh, uh, oh, yeah. So we skated. There was a lot of elevators skating UT, and it was during the heyday. So it got the cops hated it, and you got in a lot of trouble. But then blading kind of disappeared in Austin. Um, so going back, you know, in the past, you know, back in the 2012, 2013, they didn't do anything when we would skate there because they just hadn't seen it so long. You know, it was like different cops, like, yeah. So it worked out pretty good. Back in the day, you would get busted there, and pretty sure, like, almost every time somebody got busted, they would give like Randy Spicer as her name or <laughs> yeah. champion. And then it got to the point where, like, you gave somebody like a pro's name. Yeah, they're all like under eighteen. That they would that name had already been given to, to the cops, so it was already like in their system. Yeah, so you'd still get in trouble just like with a false name. Well, you get you get worse trouble because you know Randy Spicer's got fucking twenty five unpaid tickets down there. Yeah. Lonnie <laughs> got, got arrested skating there. Remember? Yeah. <clears throat> I do. Yeah, we got we got taken to the police station once, and they didn't do anything to us or threaten us with anything. They just made us. They made our parents come and pick us up, and my mom was pissed. Oh, I'm sure she was. She wasn't pissed at me. She was pissed at the cops. Okay. She's like, they're on roller skates. What do you give a shit? You're <laughs> bringing kids downtown. What the fuck is she like? Pulling me by the hand and like stormed out of there, and I was like, "Yeah, yeah," you know. <laughs> um, let me get to some questions real quick. All right, back. Um, Jason, were you on the Razors tour when it came to Access Skate Park in Knoxville, Tennessee? Jason and I were both on that tour. I think he answered your question in the chat ready, but Jason, that's where he broke his thumb on the Razors Blitz tour. Oh, um, and then we got the RV stuck at the hospital when we were waiting for him, and we had to get a tow truck to get the RV unstuck. So that's some footage that I'm going to put on this channel pretty soon because it's hilarious. Not him breaking his thumb, but the tow truck. Um, and whatever happened to Sean Robertson, that kid was a beast from Texas. Sean Robertson was a beast. And Sean Robertson, yeah. uh, I don't – he might have started skating a little bit again here and there. I know he, like, follows skating, and he's comments on some of the videos I post. Um, and he'll probably be watching this video. So what up, Sean Robertson? Yeah, Sean, legendary. So cool, yeah. Sean Robertson is definitely, you know, one of the most OG Dallas legends and Texas legends, you know, from back Absolutely. in the day. Um, and then let's see, we've got Ray Soto in the house. What up, Ray? Ray Soto, what it do, man? Ray was on the last show, a live show I did. Good to see you, and. We were talking about Birdshit Rail, which is the rails that I um, skated that we were talking about. Ray Soto likes to snort Birdshit. So. Excellent. <laughs> um, and, well, that's it for questions. If anybody has any for Frank or myself, go ahead and post them, and we will get to them at some point here in the chat. Uh, let's see. Okay. One thing I want to touch base on, or not touch base on, but ask you about was, you know, back in the 90s, I was doing Scum Magazine. So I filmed you a lot. Um, we did the episodes. And you contributed a little bit to Scum Magazine. Oh. One of the contributions was when you went to Spain and you went to, you were living in Spain and Madrid, I believe. Yep. And you also went to Lausanne, Switzerland. And you skated a skate park there and you did a little story and Got some photos. Tell me about that trip. Like, how did you end up in Spain? 
Yeah, okay. So so my dad, so we we it wasn't just a trip. We lived there. Yeah. Uh, we lived there for a year and a half. Uh and uh my dad is a civil engineer and he does airport construction and airports take about 2 years to build and so we moved around a lot largely because of his work. Uh we moved for instance to Austin where I met Jan uh because he was doing the conversion from the old uh Bergstrom Air Force Base. They converted that, which is a very Austin thing to do. Talked about Austin back in the day. You know, reduce, reuse, recycle, all that. Austin was always big on that kind of stuff. And so they they didn't want to build an airport from scratch. So they they basically, uh, you know, commandeered the, the Air Force base that was probably going to close anyway and made the new international airport out of there. So my dad was the project manager for that. And then there was a, a, the, the airport in Madrid is called Barajas, and Barajas was rebuilt. And... They needed an outside contractor to come and, you know, keep everything above board. And so my dad's company was hired to be the third party company to keep everything above board. Uh, at least I think that's the story that I believe. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's my story. Um, so in, in, uh, end of, end of my sophomore year, we moved to Madrid, Spain and we lived there in town right by the uh, bullfighting uh, arena, right in the middle of downtown, like in the center of, you know, there's like seven, I'll have to look, seven million or nine million people live in Madrid. It's an enormous place. It's like New York City. It's, it's absolutely enormous. Uh, so we lived downtown for the first month or two months, and then we moved out to the suburbs after that. Uh, I met a whole bunch of guys there. And there was a really good rollerblade scene there. There was at the time a huge skateboarding scene. Uh, living there and skating there was incredible. There was a skate park in my suburb called Alcobendas, uh, which they've just resurfaced and they've rebuilt some of the some of the ramps and things. And it looks pretty skatable now. When I skated there back in the day, it was pretty unskatable uh, by modern standards. It was it, like the transitions were all like a swimming pool, where there was like this tiny little transition at the bottom and like a nearly vertical you know wall uh with coping at the top and those would range from like three feet high to like nine feet high and so you had to skate everything at a really really steep diagonal to get something like a you know a conic section or a, a radius curve if you go fast enough and diagonal almost parallel to the coping it makes the transition up to the coping uh, and you can skate it that way. And there was a, an Austrian guy named Danny that I skated with and a bunch of uh, local guys there who were all really good. Um, guy named uh, Emilio, um, who was a huge fan of bad religion and he could sing bad religion songs, even though he didn't know any English, he would just parrot the English words and, uh, that was amazing. There was a bunch of good spots in my town. There was a couple of big kink rails. Uh, and then the downtown spot was just like skating New York City. There was huge rails, ledge spots everywhere. Um, everything had stickers on it. All the skateboarding companies, uh, all the BMX companies, all the rollerblading companies. You know, back in the day, you could just walk around uh, downtown and look for Senate stickers, look mm -hmm. for Hyper stickers, look for Thrasher magazine stickers. And that would tell you where the skate spots were. Um, and 
not only, I mean, obviously, you know, if you see a ledge, you know it's a skate spot because it's a perfect ledge, and everybody else who skates is going to think the same as you do. Uh, but you know that there's probably going to be dudes there on Friday night. And so if you turn up there on a Friday night, there's liable to be guys there, whether they're skateboarding or rollerblading or whatever. Uh, and so I was able to meet a lot of different people that way <clears throat> just by, you know, oh, well, hey, I want to try this spot and see if anybody will be there. Um, and, you know, between the guys who I skated with in my suburb and the people I skated with in Madrid, uh, there was amazing, amazing stuff to skate there. And it was tons of fun. And um, the only problem with all of Europe, though, is always the fucking sidewalk. It's cobblestone everything, you know, and you find some beautiful rail or some beautiful gap or some beautiful ledge. And it's like it's basically unskatable because the ground is unskatable. But the rail itself is like perfect, you know. Um, and then, yeah, from from having a base in in Madrid, I was able to travel around several times and I went to. Germany a couple of times, went to Switzerland once, uh, went to Italy a couple of times, and went to England, uh, to London, uh, once on that trip, and then once once or twice on other trips. Um, but yeah, European skating has always been amazing, and the Lausanne Skate Park was just incredible, incredible place. Mm. And, and still I've around. grown up... Go ahead, sorry. I was saying it's still around. Is it really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, the bowl there, I remember reading in Daily Bread, the bowl was built by inmates at the local prison, which is a very European way to do something. Yeah. You and know. it was two stories. They had, like, ramps on the second level, and on the, on the bottom level, they had, like, smaller ramps up top. Do you remember that? The top was kind of like a catwalk, as I remember. But they had, like, a, like small ramps up there. Yeah, yeah. But not, like, not like a two-story skate park. It was like there was some catwalks with some shit to skate up there, some P-rails and some quarter pipes. Yeah. But not like you could transfer from the high area down to the low area. Or no, no, not like, not like a Tony Hawk video game. Yeah, no, not like that. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that was, it, was, it was an amazing opportunity for me to go and be able to see a lot of Europe that way uh, and skate a lot of places and meet a lot of people. Have you kept in touch with anyone you met that year? Um, yeah, I'm friends, I'm friends still with, uh, some of the folks uh, that I went to high school with over there. Okay. Uh, a guy named Giles, uh, I know, um, he was a good friend of mine there. And then, um, uh, there were two twins. One was a rollerblader. One was a skateboarder. Um, uh, Adam and Simon. And then, uh, another guy named JC who actually lives in Austin now. And he runs a bunch of those fancy restaurants on rainy street, or at least he did the last time I talked to him. That was probably four years ago. The pandemic completely screwed my ability to remember how, how long ago things were. If it wasn't in 97 or 98, if it was within the last four years, I have no idea when it was. Right, yeah. I feel you on that. Um, here's uh, the skater, Stefan. Uh, I remember a comp at Ramp Ranch, Lonnie Gallegos and Frank Stoner. He told me to skate my run fakey. Hell yeah. And then he says... Lonnie had all the footage, man, was on point with the camera. And he continues, Frank Stone was so cool. Everyone called me Canada and moved to Austin, but Frank said he wanted to call me by my name. And Jason oh, wow. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. That's Canada. Oh, shit. 
uh yeah steven holy shit man holy shit i haven't talked to you or seen you in 20 years man hope you're doing good so cool i'm glad he made it to uh the show i think i posted an austin rollerblading facebook group that we were doing this so and i think he commented on that so I'm glad that you were able to show up and see this. And then one more question in here. It says, which of your videos, if any, did footage from the Razors tour appear? The video, United Front 2 Trash, had all the footage from the Razors tour in the bonus portions of the DVD. Um, so you had to go into bonus areas to watch them. I'm going to be putting those all on the channel here pretty soon. I'm slowly upscaling all those old sections and uploading them to the channel. So pretty soon you'll be able to watch all the footage uh, from that tour, which there's a lot uh, and some really good skating went down on that. And Ray uh, and Frank, did you have any sponsors throughout your career? Yeah, I rode, I rode, well, I rode for all your companies at various times. Yeah. Uh, um, for a transit. And transit, yeah, transit, transit was the first. I was thinking Scum, and I was like, it wasn't called Scum. That was the magazine. Yeah. Um, but I had Scum magazine T-shirts, and mm -hmm. I had the transit. I had transit pants. I don't know if Dejo's got any of those pants left. Those were awesome. Those uh, and I skated yeah. for Razors, and uh, there was we had a mall sponsor for a while. There was a skate shop called Fast Forward. Yeah, I remember that. They're uh, from Dallas too. Yeah, we, me and Lonnie and maybe Eddie or somebody, they would give us free stuff just to hang out in the store. And it felt very like celebrity, mm -hmm. you know, asked to be, you know, getting free stuff just to sit there at the mall. But we did, we took it fairly seriously. And, you know, we would help kids pick out skates and stuff like that um, and tell them, you know, what, what products they, you know, might like or what they're looking for or whatever it goes. That was we, we we did a pretty good job with that, I think. Um and then um I may or may not have been sponsored by Connections at one time or another, the other skate shop that was Loretta's and then Jason's and Fleener's. Um Who was that guy, Jan? Who was that guy who was the rollerblade rep back in the day? His name was I don't remember. I Randy remember, but... He drove the rollerblade van. Yeah, back when they had tons of those things. Yeah, yeah, where he was like one of several reps for rollerblades yeah. with a van in Austin. He gave me a full set of everything uh, when I went to Spain because Razors wouldn't sponsor me overseas. Uh, what's his name? Mac basically said, call me back when you get back to the Texas, which I did. Uh, That's that weird. was be before Jeff Akers. What's that? So I've never heard a company do that before. Like, I yeah, guess I, I don't know. I, I was really surprised because I thought you're going to get more exposure from me going to Europe than, than less exposure. I, I don't know, whatever. Yeah. Um, and then there may have been others. I can't, I honestly, on that shit was like 20 years ago. Yeah. Well, oh, metric metric frames. I skated for metric when Jake Barnes uh -huh. started that up. I was a part of that. Uh, that was super cool. The frames were really good. They were the first ever rollerblade uh, UFS UHMW frames. Mm -hmm. And they actually snapped together so that the parts were interchangeable. It was a really 
really clever design that probably didn't make it as far as it should have because it was maybe a little too ahead of its time and yeah. maybe a little bit on the expensive side. Mm -hmm. If it it would it would exist fine now if somebody had a router and they were set up in their garage to make those That's the way they stuff too, you know. Yeah. Here's some parts for it. Yeah. Um, the 3D printing and 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 even just with what you can do with a router now. Um, I mean, there's a lot of cool techniques for both making skate stuff and also for uh, uh, like woodworking and and machining and stuff like that. There's lots of cool stuff that you can find uh, online and on YouTube and everywhere else. Um. I'm going to ask you, you know, yeah. related to your skating back in the day, 20 years ago question. Um, we had a section recently, we had talked about scratched earlier, and you have a section in that uh, that I made of you back in 1997. Seven. All yeah. the footage was from 96, but you released it in 97 because J-Ho does an alley top acid at Bank One that mm -hmm. was in 1997, and the final version came out, and I was really pissed off because just for that one clip, the, the year rolled over to 97, and it <laughs> should have been stamped 96 because all that skating was in 96. Right. Well. Except for that one clip of Jason, fucking Jason. Well, you know what? Left, left foot, alley top acid at bank one. When I remastered, I can change the date to 96. You should. Um, and so that was, was that your first section on the video? You, remember? you had a section of me in America's Army that may or may not have made the final cut. Because America's Army, as you recall, had like 20 different versions. America's Army, I have to... Yeah, America's Army had a lot of different versions. America's Army was also made with two VCRs, I believe. Yeah. Just right, uh, right after No Budget Lo-Fi, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, it was crazy. Shawn Michaelson says, no shit, I had no idea Metric had any riders. He was definitely ahead of his time. Um, I, I remember the frames. I don't remember. It was, was it similar to like the Prime frame now where it's like, I mean, obviously Prime frame is like metal with plastic outsides, but the concept where it's like the three pieces, was it similar to that? or? So it was, let me move to where, I don't know where my camera is. It's dark in here. Yeah, so yeah. There, was two, there was two mounting blocks. Um, that mounted to the UFS and then there was a frame wall that connected to those. And then there was an H block in the middle that snapped the whole thing together. Uh, and so it was fully symmetrical and you could get black or white frame walls and black and white H components. So you could, you could mix and match the colors. Um, because I mean, that's been a deal. That's been a thing as long as there's been, companies beyond rollerblade making stuff was colors. Mm -hmm. Everybody always wanted colors, even though I always thought that was stupid, but, um, yeah, the, um, it, it, it's more like it, uh, Kaiser, I think made just a solid billet of UHMW just machined in one shot. And it was more like that than the ones like, uh, like Lawrence has where it's like a metal frame system with a cover that goes over it. It was a solid UHMW frame. And they were bulletproof on ledges, and they were fast as shit on ledges. A little bit slow on coping, depending on the coping, but on ledges, they were amazing. Do you still have a pair? 
Yeah, one of these boxes has old rollerblade stuff in it. I couldn't produce one right now on the spot, but oh, no problem. Uh, if I if I had noticed, I could take a picture on the channel sometime. Yeah. Um, and when it goes to like skate design and stuff like that, that is, you were into tech, this kind of tech side of stuff back yeah. in the day, and you always like one thing you were always talking about was like cuff design. Yeah, I feel like that's never been touched on. I don't think cuffs have really changed or have been a focus of change or discussion really what was your like your your theory and and your whole thing on cuffs and cuff design back in the day and and what do you feel about cuffs today compared to the ones that you didn't like so much so uh as far as cuffs are concerned my thing was the cuffs need to be higher i always thought that skate rollerblades should look more like ski boots uh, maybe not as hard as ski boots because you, you need to be able to bend your ankles and stuff on rollerblades. But when when I was when I was really good and I could do like front dorks on ramps and rails and things for an almost un, unspecified amount of time, like like distance, um, I had double cuffed a pair of razor skates where I I made like an extension out of an old pair of cuffs and bolted a second pair of cuffs on top of that. And what I found is when you're doing a torque, if if you can push against a really high boot with like your shin, you get a huge amount of support. And so doing a torque or a fish brain or a backslide, it's not just your ankle holding you up. It's it's you know not just the little muscles and bones and tendons and things in your little ankle. It's like the big muscles of your leg holding you up. And so you know, I always thought cuffs should be higher. And uh, I mean, and I was really disappointed because, you know, there were skates like the Argon, the Oxygens back in the day that were way, way ahead of their time and had no none of the problems that modern skates have. For instance, there was no heel lift because it had the overlapping toe, uh, shoelace closure. The cuff was floating. So it had a lower limit and an upper limit of how much it could flex. And it wasn't merely flexing. It was also sliding uh, on a slot. And that was amazing. It had buckle protection. It had metal buckles. Um, it had a pretty crappy H block, I will, I will say. Um, and, and there was no sole plates at that time, which, you know, was a later development. But, I, yeah, I always thought the cuff should be higher and probably softer or possibly composite materials where it's maybe harder on the inside and softer mm. on the outside. Right. I thought that there was a lot of directions that cuff design could have gone and nobody really seemed interested in, in pursuing it. Uh, since, since that time, uh, a lot more people have gotten into uh, like intuition liners and higher cuff liners uh, and a lot more experimentation is being done now. And with the, the kind of boom in rollerblading companies where people like Justin are able to 3D print stuff, which was the beginning of Wish with uh, Cletus and, and everybody else who's involved with that. Um, you know, I, I at one time or another, I really thought 3D printing, if it ever came to rollerblading, would take it by storm. And it kind of did and it kind of didn't. Um, the way that the mushroom blading guys, you know, Joey and Todd 
the way that they have been able to do lots of cool stuff and get stuff made and encourage other people to make cool stuff is really, really cool. Uh, I just wish that more, more of that stuff could be used to make grinder blader stuff, I guess is what I would say. Mm -hmm. Like the, 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 to me, the, like the famous, um, gap that Haffy did in drip drop where it was like over the big giant giant right. gap uh he did it two or three times and i really really think that different skates different frames different hardware uh and, and kind of outside of the box for lack of a better word uh skate design probably he could have landed that that gap so I don't disagree with you, but I also think, you know, I've talked to several people about this. You look at Haffy skating those original remedies, the yeah. big stuff he did on nose skates, which yeah. like the last skate that you should be able to jump some huge gaps on. Um, I always think, you know, if he would have had a you know, modern skate today, like the level of craziness he would have been on. Well, I'm, I'm thinking something more like an eight wheel frame with a bunch of, you know, 80 millimeter wheels with like a ski boot style boot. Mm -hmm. You know, well, I mean, if you look at the gaps that guys are doing on skis and snowboards, you know, they're doing 200 foot drops and shit like that. Oh, like, same. I mean, that that jump that Happy did on on a on skis or on a snowboard, assuming it was from snow, you know, snow to snow. Mm -hmm. um, that's that's a sort of a normal sized gap. You know, yeah, like a, a terrain park gap that you have at a, every ski area. Yeah, they would be like <clears throat> in the medium-sized area. Yeah. And obviously not to take anything away from Haffy, because that's maybe the biggest or top three biggest, you know, gaps ever. Um, but just just the idea that, you know, the I, I kind of always felt like the hardware should work for us. You know, mm -hmm. we put we put a lot of stuff on our skates. Uh, sometimes for fashion, like the crank straps, when I was still playing hockey, um, I didn't really understand what the crank straps were for and nobody was doing Royale. So you didn't need to bend your ankles. Everybody was just doing front sides. Um, and sole grinds were iffy cause there was no sole plates and plenty of people could do them, but it like, it was still weird. Front side was like the main grind. Um, it just seemed like once we got real companies, a lot of companies were just making stuff because that's what everybody else was doing. Mm -hmm. You know, the idea of having a grind plate company existed back in the day. And there was a ton of people who did it. And, you know, people started grind plate companies because they could and they could make them in their garage. I mean, like CDS grind plates with the tools that I have on the other side of this wall in my garage in my wood shop here, I could batch out a couple of thousand CDS grind plates a day if I needed to. And all you need is a router table and a couple of drill presses, like not very much tooling to make those. And once things started moving along uh, and we have skaters designing skates, you have people like Jake who are trying out novel materials, novel designs, stuff like that it just it just seemed like too much too much of skating design was 
just just the same shit over and over. And he didn't see a lot of people trying far out stuff like a like an eight inch tall cuff, say, or you know, he, he, like it was so focused on grinder blading. Uh, where the first step anybody took was to make the mook frames, you know, uh, a freestyle frame with no middle wheels and 10 inches of grinding space, which doesn't help you really at all and doesn't make skating look any better. Uh, the only people who ever made that look good were probably Stockwell and a couple of other guys. Uh, just because you get what people call the train tracks, mm -hmm. you know, when you're anti rocker and you can't like steer your feet. And so you get that real, real choppy kind of skating style. Uh, Stockwell wasn't able, to, was able to uh, make that look really graceful. And I have no idea to this day how he did it. If he was lifting up his toes and heels at different times, I just have no idea how he's doing it. Um, I've always preferred rockered skates because I came from hockey and I've talked about this lots elsewhere, but. Um, you know, as far as real, really cool skate design, it just hasn't been that much. You know, the idea of, of metal backslide plates, I was looking for that in 1996 mm -hmm. and nobody ever did it. And we easily could have and nobody did. Higher cuffs could easily have been done. Higher liners could easily have been done. I mean, there's just so many things that went unexplored. And particularly during, you know, our main era, of like mid nineties to mid two thousands. Um, a lot of, a lot of gnarlier tricks I think could have been done if the skate, if the skates had been designed to accommodate it and they just weren't, you know, and I still kind of privately, I, I guess I'm saying this on a public podcast, but privately, I kind of feel like a little bit bummed that, you know, plastic boot liner, plastic frames, maybe metal frames like i mean th there's nothing that different about modern skates than we had with the 62 impala in 1996. i i, I don't want to say that nothing has changed lots has changed lots of cool stuff has happened i'm not such an old curmudgeon and i'm not one of these guys talking about back in my day everything was so much better i'm just i'm just a little bit disappointed that like as we look at skateboarding there was all different shapes and sizes of skateboards and they kind of coalesced around that more or less symmetrical skateboard, pretty much straight across the front, not shaped like a snake head or, or big fish tail on the back. Um, it's pretty much coalesced to a fairly symmetrical thing, slightly longer nose. And it seems to work for everything that those guys are able to do for us. It's just kind of a bummer that, the plastic boot with the plastic frame and a liner stuck in with a cuff and a buckle is, is, is like as good as it gets. That just seems, that just seems disappointing. So what would be your ideal skate right now? If you could create your skate out of thin air, what would, what would be different about it? Besides, you know, obviously we talked about the cuff, but what else about it? Giant cuff, uh, giant cuff with some maybe ability to, to hinge or flex in some way rather than just just um, just the compliance of the plastic is all you have for support. Maybe something else, I don't know what, ratcheting or, or on a hinge of some kind. Maybe uh, the slot 
from the oxygens was a neat idea. I wonder if there's anything to that. But definitely a super high cuff, super high liner. Uh, I would like sole plates to have, you know, fully interchangeable parts uh, where you could put metal sliders on the sole plates, almost like Legos or something like that. And then make make the the backslide plates or the torque, you know, grind, you know, the Royale plates, make those available in every material. Have them made out of aluminum. Have them made out of regular um, uh, nylon, like everything else is. Or have the option to get super soft ones. I mean, the backslides, you know, people like John Ortiz and other people who skated Oxygens and K2s back in the day were doing a Pat Lennon is a good example backslides down like you know 20 kink rail royales down 20 kink rail with like a literally a break uh with a rubber a rubber <laughs> rubberized backslide plate uh I, I would like to see all that the closest thing to a skate that i that was that it was what i would come up with was the um i got them from jason at connections they were the um they were these ridiculous USD skates. They had a metal cuff. They were called. Do you know what I'm talking about? Carlos Pianowski had a pro model version of it. Uh, I don't remember the name of it. Realm? The Realm? No, no it was no it wasn't that. Uh, the... it had a metal sub cuff and then a, a like a a a, a vinyl. If Sean, uh, if Sean. Michelson's watching. He's he's might know. Um, it doesn't matter, but it had it had tabs where you could move the 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 grind the sole plates on the outside and in the negative side. You could move those in or out and up and down the backslide plate. You could move it forward and back. Uh, there was a lot of neat features that you could you could tweak and you could modify and adjust. So that it would work for your feet and your style and whatever, I would want. I would want something like that skate, but without obviously a fucking metal cuff. I don't yeah. know who, whose acid trip that was, but on the height of the liner, the cuff, like the highest liner that we've had was the Shima with that Shima liner and the razors. How much higher would you go to that? Uh, I bought. I bought some uh, intuition. Um, I can't remember what they're called. They're like ski boot liners, uh -huh. and they come all the way to the top of the shin, like almost to the knee. Okay. I would go that high. So high, high. High, high. Like ski remember, the, the only skate that I remember that was had a really high ski-style boot would have been that rollerblade off-road skate, the, Coy the Coyote. The Coyote had a really high, high cuff. Like a high cuff like that. Yeah. Because I think if you if you took those things out on a trail, you'd break your ankles like instantly. Uh, yeah. But that's that's to me the same thing is that if you're putting yourself in a unique environment where you need that kind of support because you're skating on dirt bike trails or or motocross trails or whatever off road trails, you're gonna need that kind of support. But also, if you're happy and you're doing like a forty foot gap, you that's the same kind of unique environment where you need something special and sexy and extra. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. Um, it's interesting to see what's going to happen. I mean, I do feel like, you know, with the whole wizard style skating and all the different frame brands coming out, making all sorts of different frames options, you know, with the different types of rockers and stuff, those are really cool. And I know you coming from a hockey background, 
I've been doing a bunch of ice skating lately with my yeah. mom, and I've got the wizard frames, the PR eighties, and it's just like ice skating, you know. Yeah. Um, that's cool. Like, like doing figure skating on hockey skates with some like, but not you know, it's different. But it's the edging, you know. Yeah. And I feel like you would almost that you would actually probably enjoy those frames. Um, I've I've never got to ride a pair. I might buy some. Uh, I've, I never really got into the the big wheel blading stuff. No, but I think that that, that those rocker type of skating frames yeah. is something you would dig. Yeah, I think I think I would. I would consider if there's a wizard frame that's like eighty mil. Yes, yeah, so I, I have a five by eighty. Five by eighty. Okay. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And you know, it's like, got that so called natural rocker touching. So you either have your middle three touching or your back three or your front three. So it's, you pivot, you do your like pivots. Okay. It's pretty cool. Um, and then they have like a four by eight. They have different sizes. They have like five by 72. There's all sorts of options, you know? Um, okay. But I think you would, I think you would enjoy that style of skating. I want to let you everybody know we're at about, we're approaching two hours in this interview and I don't want to go much over two hours. I had okay. a lot of questions for Frank that we didn't get to. And if Frank's down, I'd like to have him back on the show again in the future. Um, yeah. Round two. I'm down. I want to go through some questions we have in the live chat. And if anyone has any questions they want to ask Frank before we end, go ahead and post those in the live chat. And a while ago, uh, well, about 20 minutes ago, another Austin legend joined the live chat, live chat and that is Jay Gerink. Jay, 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 dude, um, call me, asshole. Call Frank Jay. I don't have your Jay. number. Call me. If you see Jay, Jay, see the little logo next to Poorly Planned? That is the shirt I'm wearing. Jay is the designer of the shirt. This is Bird Swim. This is one of my favorite rollerblading brands ever in the history of blading for T-shirts. Out of Austin, Texas, Jay doesn't do any more, but he should re-release them because they're awesome. Yeah, you should, Jay. Great artist and great skater. And speaking of big wheel blades, he was the first person I saw like do some really cool grinds on big wheels at the box sessions in Austin. Yeah, I watched that not too long ago, uh, and Jay was crushing it. He did a fast slide across the box, backside fast slide to fakie. Yeah, it was amazing. In those like seventy twos or eighties? No, they were like like eighties or something, eighties or nineties. Um, and then Sean Michaelson says, "I've been wanting to reach out to Frank about cuffs since your name dropped." Not dropped him in the Justin Thursday interview. So while we talked about Cuss a little bit, uh, hit up hit up uh, Frank on uh, Instagram. I don't we, have Instagram. You don't it have, have Instagram. Facebook. Hit up Frank and Facebook. Yeah. Um, and then let's see. Stephen says, "Hey Frank, come see me anytime in Toronto, Canada." Oh wow. Um. So I don't know about Frank, but I'm actually going to try to go to Toronto before the winter because I've been wanting to skate there for a while. Uh, so maybe I'll see you in Toronto if Frank doesn't. Uh, yeah, I'll be there before I will, that's for sure. I would move to Buffalo right now. My wife is from Buffalo, and I would move there in a second. I have a feeling that uh, having moved out here to Colorado for so long, when we retire or when we are in our you know old age, older than now age, I guess, uh, I will probably wind up living on the East Coast and I so would move to Buffalo. Right. I would move to Buffalo right now. Yeah, well, we'd be close to me, and then we can go skiing. That'd be dope. 
if we can still ski by the time that happens. Oh, dude, I plan to ski until dude. These, these guys in the mountains are like a hundred years old. I know. I've seen some motherfuckers like a hundred. Literally, all that, cold, all that cold weather keeps your arthritis at, at bay. So, um, maybe, you, we're talking about the growls. No, they weren't growls. Those were roasties. Um. Okay, and then we had some adult dating site spam in the channel. I blocked that. Uh, Ray Soto says, we need titanium frames. Uh, no. That'd just be too heavy. Um, what were those skates called? Let me see if I can find it out. The USD Legacy? Legacy. That's the one. So both Shawn Michaels and Jason Howard win the cool person prize for giving us the name of that. Um, yeah, they had a metal cup. It was ridiculous. I think that the USD Aeon is really cool. I think that that's a really cool thing. But yeah, the USD Legacy, that's the closest thing. If it if it had like a, a ski boot upper and that is a lower and everything was adjustable, that would be what I would design in a skate. And Sean nailed it. They had good intentions, but awful execution. 100%. 100%. He's dead on with that. Um, And... Jay says, we all love Jay here, and we miss you, Jay, for sure. Um, my wife is finishing up her PhD, and I wanted to hit you two up. So Yeah, get in touch, go. Jay. Jay, where's my, where's my pointer? You're get in touch with me. Jay right now. My girlfriend's also, doing a PhD as well. So tell, tell your wife congratulations. Yeah, my wife has a PhD, too. Like we got the, the PhD ladies. Uh, yeah, just us, us dummy boys over here. And Stephen, Stephen, Steven, is it Stephen or Stefan? Stefan. I totally remember that guy, but I can't remember how he's pronounced his name. Um, yeah, if you're in Vermont, that's where I live. Hit me up. And that looks like that's it for the questions. Um, is there anything you wanted to talk about and touch based on that we we didn't mention in the in the podcast? Uh, I will, I will try to find that picture of you because you're doing a legit, it's either Royale or backslide. I'm I'm sure of it. And, and it's, and it's on one of the bigger of the lower rails at convention center. I have a photograph of it. I'm nearly sure. I will try to find it for you, Jan, because if you, that means other, if you have any other old photos of Austin skating in general, um, of everybody, let me know as well. Yeah, I do. Um, yeah, I have. There's old ones of. There was a bunch that I took with like a like a not a disposable camera, but like a cheap Kodak camera. Uh, that you used in Scum magazine. There was a fish brain of Mike Shields, a uh, couple of Jason. There were several that went into a couple of those episodes. I if saw you, those. You still have those because I don't have any of those photos from Scum Magazine anymore. The photos or the magazine? The photos or the files for the magazines. There's some issues I'm missing of the print magazine itself. I have a f like three quarters of them. Okay, let me check. Let me when I when I clean out the my shit, I'll I'll, I'll let you know what I run across. And if you have any old Scum Magazines, let me know too because I'm I'm missing a few. I'm trying to fill in. Yeah, um, I mean, it's yours. I'll send you whatever you want. And 
Uh, and then Stefan wants to know if you've, have you, what do you think about the icons, the AG10s? Have you checked those out at all? You know anything about them? The carbon, carbon skate, carbon cuff. No. Icon. So icon is a. So uh, with a K or a C. I Q O N. And it's the AG10. Okay. And that's what that's what I skate on my wizard setup. So I have the pr 80s on those. I took the soul plates off and um, skate them. There's two versions. There's a carbon version, non-carbon version. The carbon cuff is pretty nice for, you know, wizard skating. I don't know for aggressive skating if they're not great, but um, but they're pretty stiff. I mean, I think you might like them. I want to try Clark skate. If I'm going to spend money on anything, I want to try Clark. They look cool. Mm. Those, I'm looking at a picture. Is the tongue kind of like got holes in it? Oh, yeah. That tongue is really, uh, that liner is really comfortable. So who's making those? It's it's just Royal Distribution, which is um, owned by Matias that owns PowerSlide. Oh, okay. Okay. Hyper Distribution that was actually the original distribution he owned when he was distributing like medium and senate and stuff back in the day yeah yeah wow okay so it's like you know it's it so looks cool i i would i would like to see a pair in real life um i see several I mean, pairs from reddit with uh big ass wizard frames on them yeah they're pretty good wizard setup uh boots and then there's an AG20, which I said, it's like the carbon-free version. Oh, I'm looking at you uh, with a cap and a big... You must have got a haircut since then. But did they, you do a review of those on YouTube? Yeah, I did a, a video on them. How long ago? Oh, it was before <laughs> It was before Robert Guerrero went to... Um, your, so it was the beginning of summer because I did it with Robert Guerrero. Okay, okay. Yeah, they look cool. Um, I, I, I've i never been a huge fan of uh, USD cuffs. I always thought were too hard. Mm -hmm. And all the guys who shredded those back in the day, like Dominic Sagona and everybody else, uh, I don't know how they did all the tricks they did with those cuffs because I couldn't do them with those cuffs. Um, I always liked the softer material they used for the Razor's cuffs. And again, I wish they were a foot taller. Um, but yeah, those are pretty sweet looking skates. I'm always curious to see what they look like in the bigger sizes because they always put the photograph of like a size nine right. and a size nine looks fabulous no matter what skate it is. And then when you start getting into 11, 12 or bigger, they stop looking nearly as cool, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I'd like to see them in a size 11 and a half. Yeah, I have minor, minor 10 and a half. Okay. Um, but they look pretty good. Now, uh, there's another show I've I've been doing randomly on the channel. It's let's uh, it's rollerblading talk or it's talk rollerblading or something like that. I forgot the name because I changed it, but it's more of a conversation with like two other people or one other person, less interview style, more conversation, kind of like what we've been doing just because we know each other more. But back and forth questions. Um, I'm going to start doing more of those shows versus the, I'm going to be doing a podcast obviously, but I'm going to be doing those shows as well because I like the, the chemistry between multiple people talking. Um, so if you're interested in being on a show like that with some other people, uh, maybe we could get Jason and Jay. I would love you, me and Jason, uh, man. That'd be the good old days yeah. right there. Um, 
Somebody's posting porn. It's just the first time that I've had people post porn links in the live chat. Well, yeah, well, we always need more porn. So I'm going to get Jason on. Jason is somebody I want on the podcast. Yeah. Just for interview style. But I want to have Jason and you and maybe one other person from the Austin era. Um, get Jay. Just shooting the shit. Jay would be great um, if they're down. Uh so I'll contact them. But I'm going to do different shows like that. And if you have ideas of ones you want to do, let me know. If anybody has ideas what they want to see or who they want to see on the podcast or the Let's Talk Rollerblading show, post that in the comments below. And if you enjoyed this video and this interview with Frank, make sure to hit the like button and subscribe to this channel. If you haven't already, hit the bell icon to be notified anytime I upload new videos. And I have... Next to my social media in the description below, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And Frank, you only have Facebook, right? But if somebody wants to get a hold of Frank, talk, shop, cuffs, whatever, they can find you on Facebook. Yeah, for now, Facebook. I don't want to say my email publicly, but I um, won't get your email out. Get in touch. Get in touch with uh I mean Jan Jan could give you my email. That'd be fine. You can give my email to anybody, Jan. Uh, or Facebook. I don't check it very often, maybe once a month or so. Uh, but yeah, anybody wants to holler, uh, have patience. I'll get to, I'll get to it when I check Facebook, but you know, I'll, I'm on there. Holler at me. Awesome. Well, Frank, I want to thank you very much for joining me today. I know we had talked about getting you on here a while ago. Everything's been kind of slow and hectic, uh, but it was rad to have you on here and talk and catch up on the old days of blading in Austin. Like I mentioned, I have a lot more questions for you. So we'll, we will do a follow-up sometime in the next month or two, uh, whenever you have some time. But I want to sure. thank everyone who joined us for the live chat. It was great seeing so many Texas friends here today. And, yeah, we love you all. Thank you so much. If you want to stay on, Frank, I'm going to go ahead and close it out, and I will talk to you shortly. Everyone take care. We'll see you next time here on the Denim Outblading YouTube channel.